Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. Today, we are joined by Lizelle Pratt, COO and founder at Capitalize. Capitalize is connected to a number of leading financial institutions and global payment providers. They deliver cutting edge fintech solutions to corporates and institutional clients across the globe. Lizelle reached the heights of being named as one of Forbes's 30 under 30 and many, many other awards, which I'm sure she'll share with us. She's extremely passionate about helping women break into the finance industry. So she's here today to share her story and some of the learns along the way. Lizelle, so happy to have you here. Thank you. It's so nice to be here, Nadia. I've been looking forward to this podcast. Um, I'm so, so pleased. So before we get into a bit more about you, tell us about Capitalize. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I'm, as mentioned, one of the founders of Capitalize and we established Capitalize back in 2019. So we are a fintech consultancy and we specialize in helping medium to high risk verticals uh, to obtain payments and banking solutions. We're essentially the matchmakers in payments. So we match clients up with providers best suited to their needs and our niche. And we're specializing in serving the underserviced industries. So generally, these would be new industries which banks don't generally understand. So typically crypto, e-money services, digital assets, CBD, the list goes on, but (laughs) you get the understanding. And then banks don't tend to have the tech capabilities to deal with it either. So yeah, that's us in a nutshell. We deal with clients all across the globe, but mainly uh, we have a lot of inquiries from Europe. And yeah, that's us. (laughs) I love it. I love the the mission and everything that you're doing. And I'm so glad that you're receiving the recognition that you so fully deserve saying, you know, exactly as you said it, you serve the underserved, you look after the overlooked. And I think that is such an important mission and so pleased to see you getting the recognition that you do deserve. So tell us a little bit more about your role. Yeah, so my role, I'm sure as you understand, running a business, being a co-founder in a business, you have so many different hats, right? My role is formerly COO and co-founder, but as I say, running lots of different areas. So operations, I do a partnerships, strategy, business development. My core task for this year was building the marketing and branding side of the business. And I've got it up to a really great level now. And thankfully now I've recently hired a head of marketing who was going to be essentially replacing my role, which would be quite nice. But it's been really interesting to learn that side. I was reading lots of books on marketing, YouTube videos. I had a marketing mentor. So yeah, I got it up to a really decent level, created four different revenue streams. So four different lead generation streams for the business, which have increased in revenue and lots of new inquiries coming in. So yeah, I've got it up to a good level, which I'm really pleased about. So Now that that's over, it's going to allow me to focus my areas more on the strategy side of the business. So I guess when I have that time to step back, then I can actually see the whole operations as a whole and see what areas I can improve on. It's brilliant to hear you explain that because, you know, look, it it just shows you're learning every day. You've got to be agile to whatever the, the business needs are. And you just seem to be really taking that in your stride, which is fantastic. Take us back a a bit. When and why was the business co-founded? So we co-founded the business back in 2019, just before, right before the pandemic. It was me and my business partner. So we founded the business from when we used to work in the city in financial services, where we realized, well, 
from my side, I realized that there was, I was getting a lot of requests from industries that my company, the one that I was working at, could not service when I was working in the city. I worked at a few different companies and it was all the same that they couldn't service certain industries. And I would always get lots of inquiries from it. And then I was just thinking, hang on, there's obviously some sort of need here. Why don't I set something up myself and service them? So yeah, we realized that there was a gap in the market and I was always entrepreneurial from a start. I set up my first business when I was 16, selling jewelry in Camden Market. (laughs) So that was quite a journey in itself. And yeah, before that, I also had other businesses. So I used to sell high-end vintage clothing online. And then, yeah, obviously, since I already have my industry knowledge and finance and I'm already in this industry, I just, I thought, why not set up my own finance company up? Wow. I love that story. It's just great to hear that here it is, there's a gap in the market. And with your knowledge, you were, you were able to say, let's go and build a solution that solves that and that, that erases that gap altogether. And look, I've alluded to it a couple of times. It's really exciting right now for you as a business, the recognition's out there. Just share some of where that excitement is coming from. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I mean, this year, we've just grown so much and very quickly. It's been quite overwhelming in the background, because we're getting so much demand for our services. And hence why we're actually having to have a a big hire. We've already hired two people, but we're going to be hiring more people. It's a good sign, right? You're getting lots of demand and not enough people to cope with it. So it's a great sign for a business. But yeah, exciting time. So I was recently listed on this year's Tech Around Top 29 Entrepreneurs Under 29, uh, which is really exciting. And I was also a finalist in this year's Women in Finance Awards, as well as in the European Women in Finance Awards as well. And also, um, I've been shortlisted in the award ceremonies in January for the Great British Businesswoman Awards. So that's really exciting. But yeah, I mean, the business has just grown exponentially and just seen such a massive spike in our revenue. Just really exciting times, to be honest. Sometimes I I have to take a break and appreciate where everything's going and then I can keep going. But yeah, we've hired a head of marketing and a senior salesperson. And yeah, we're just... What I always think in my business is now is the time. I've got the energy and I've got the determination. So I'm just going to keep going. It's I love it. <laughs> yeah. And your love for it is so infectious. And I'm just so excited for you. But it's it's just brilliant to hear like the journey of the business, the problems that you're solving, and now the recognition that you're getting, because it means that that solution can be used much farther and wider than it has done before. And There's another element that I wanted just for you to share with the audience, because I know you operate a remote first strategy. And, you know, right now in the world of work, lots of people are debating on what is best for the future of work. And there's a lot of people who've run businesses for years who are nervous about operating remote first strategy. They're worried about the the challenges that they'll face. But I know you're making it work. So I wanted you just to share some of that with us. Yeah, absolutely. So when I first set the business up, I... I quit my job when I was 22 working in the city and I decided to go traveling for a while. And when I was traveling, I loved all that freedom that I was getting. And I was like, oh, I really want to have a business where I can just work from wherever I want on my laptop. And when I got back, obviously, I set this business up and that has allowed me to have that freedom. And I love to travel. I love to explore the world and I can work from my laptop. I don't necessarily need to be in an office. And this is what I always try and instill into my team when I'm hiring. I always ask, okay, are you comfortable with remote working? What's your experience? I want them to actually want to be remote because there's 
as you mentioned, there are a lot of companies out there that have the hybrid option that they have the full working in the office option. There's options out there for everyone right now. But as a business and the way we're going is we are going to be remote and we like it. Everyone that works with us, they want to be remote. We have women who have children, young children, and they have to look after them. They can't really spend all day going to an office and they have to pick their kids up from after school. And I think having that flexibility actually enables companies to have that get more demand in from diversity. And I actually had a conversation on this the other day. I did a LinkedIn post. And my thoughts are companies that operate a five-day mandatory working in the office, they're going to get left behind. We're in the new age now. We're post-pandemic. People have experience working from home. And people, some people, a lot of people actually thrive and perform better working at home or working from wherever they want. If they want to work on a beach in Thailand, let them. And obviously, I know it's not for everyone. There's obviously people that are better suited to working in an office environment. But I think it's good to allow like big companies to have that flexibility for their team, especially as I mentioned, if you want to attract more diversity, like working moms or women who've just had children or even older people who have to take care of their elderly parents. Yeah, and it's it's so important that you're sharing um, all of those different experiences and all those different life situations that people can be in. And I love the fact that you've spoken about what works for different people, because you've got neurodiversity that many businesses are missing out on because they're offering a certain way of working without flexibility. And I know when we've spoken before, you've said this isn't just about looking at one group. It's about opening your eyes wider than that. So if you could share some thoughts on that, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we did have this conversation. So I think in order to create for diversity, equality and inclusion, it's not just one group's issue. So for example, there's obviously there's a lack of women in the industry. I don't think that it's just a woman's problem to deal with. It's a industry problem as a whole. And if we're ever going to create change in this industry, we all need to work on this together, not against each other. We all need to be in it together to create change. There's statistics that less than 10% of senior people in the industry are women. So if it's just 10% trying to create change, it's going to take too long. If the other 90% jump in and help us, then we're going to get there a lot quicker. Could not have said that better. (laughs) Another thing is everyone needs to be educated on the benefits that they're going to be receiving uh, for getting more diversity. And I, I often talk about from a woman's perspective, because I come from this environment I've had experience of being a woman in the industry and it's a fact that having more women on boards outperformed those with the least by 53 percent and I'm saying this because from a business perspective people care about revenue right and if having more women on the board increases it by 53 percent then why are you not promoting more women Absolutely. And I love stats like that because it's yeah. just, you know, and the question, the follow up question, like why, why are we not looking at this as if it is an issue with our products or our mm-hmm. projects? You know, why, why aren't we focusing on it as much as you clearly are at Capitalize, which is great yeah. to see. So thank you. Just taking us to our last question. I, I always introduce these pods by saying we're here today to walk the talk for change. I love that phrase, walk the talk, because I think these podcasts are all about talking, but Everybody that joins me on the podcast, they are walking the talk. They are actively promoting inclusion day in, day out. So what would be your call to action to help other people walk that talk to ensure that workplace inclusion really is front and center of our entire industry? Yeah, so there's a number of things that 
we can do it. The list goes on and on, but I'm going to name just a few. So there's nuggets that people can take away. So workplace training on how to actually behave in a professional environment is very important because sadly, there's still people out there that do not know how to behave, especially if you have diversity group coming in or a minority female coming into the office. If they don't feel welcomed in the environment and people aren't doing their best to make them feel welcomed and behaving how they should behave, they're going to run away. They're not, they're going to leave the industry. So yeah, learning how to behave in an industry, creating a more inclusive environment, making sure that it's not toxic. I also think it's important for people out there to stand up for underrepresented groups within the business, celebrate their accomplishments and make them feel welcomed. Another thing to create inclusion is obviously flexibility. As we mentioned previously, young people may have to look after their kids, especially women with babies or older people that may have to look after elderly parents. Having that flexibility will have that neurodiversity. And as I always mentioned before, companies requiring their employees into the office five days a week are going to get left behind in the new age and lose out on talent and diversity. And as, as I said before, a lack of women on boards decreases revenue. Having more women on boards increases it by 53%. So got to think about revenue for the business. Last but not least, I think it's really important to have mentorship programs within the business. So for example, if you have a senior woman that's part of your team, pair them up with a junior woman because that junior woman is going to have a sense of belonging. Chances are that senior woman has been through the same issues that that junior woman is about to start going through. So pairing them up together will make them feel more welcomed and they'll most likely stay in the industry because they have someone that's been through that and they have a role model to look up to. Fantastic. Um, Lizelle, thank you so much for joining us on the Women of Fintech podcast series. It's so important that you've shared your journey, what you're doing as a business. And those insights are so valuable for anyone listening to this to go and implement in their businesses. A mentorship program, education, constant awareness, we can all be included in that journey. So thank you for spending time with me on this podcast series. It's been brilliant having you. Thank you so much, Nadia. It's been a pleasure joining your podcast. Mm -hmm.